Let us pray. Lord, as we come to understand your word more fully, we just pray that you would bless us in this time, that we would just give ourselves over to you, to the words from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians. Lord, we just thank you that you indeed encourage us through your word and uplift us through your truth. So bless us in this time, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hope is like faith, where you can't see it. We put our faith in God, in a God that we don't physically see, although it was wonderful that we got to glimpse God through Jesus Christ being present on this earth. But it is not a blind faith, because God continually demonstrates himself through the world that he created for us and the works that he does in and through our lives. So hope is something that we don't yet see. We hope for that which will come, something that is in the future. For what God promises in the Bible, these promises are what give us hope. Right now, many people are feeling hopeless. Maybe they've lost a job, or they have health issues, or they're looking at the state of the world. The truth is, it can be easy to lose hope if we focus on the world, because the world is imperfect and full of sinners and trouble and calamity. Our world will not meet our needs or satisfy our desires, so our hope needs to be in God. This morning, as we continue our series, The Secrets of Living a Better Life, we continue in Ephesians chapter 1. In this last section, we're going to look at how when we put our hope in God, we will indeed live a better life. I went to church some with my parents when I was young, but when I was about seven or eight, my parents stopped going to church, and so consequently, I stopped going to church as well. And I didn't start going again until I was about 15, when a friend of mine invited me to come with him to his youth group. And so I started to go, and I started to hear about Jesus and, and God's truth, and I, and I heard teachings from the Bible, and I began to wonder who this Jesus was and why I was supposed to put my faith in him. Quite, for quite a while, I didn't understand everything about Christianity, and it was confusing for me, but I enjoyed the time I had with my other high school friends, and so I continued to go to church each week to the youth group, and to have fun, and to, to hear about the Bible. But it all came together for me one day, when someone took this little booklet, little Bible verse booklet, and they dropped it into my locker. And I remember opening my locker and seeing this book, and it was curious for me, and I took it home, and that night I began to read in this little booklet. And I read verses like Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And Romans 5.8, But God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Romans 10.9, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And at that moment, I read these verses, and something just clicked in me. It actually made sense. 
that God loves me so much that he sent his son into this world to die for my sins, to pay the penalty of my sins so that they would be forgiven and cleansed and washed away and I could have a relationship with God because of the death of Christ. And when I confess my sin to him and I ask him to be my Savior and Lord, then I will have salvation and eternal life. At the end of this booklet, there is a, a prayer. It's called the Sinner's Prayer, a prayer that you can pray to ask Jesus to be your Savior and Lord. And I remember right there by my bed, I, I knelt down and I prayed this prayer. I asked Jesus to forgive me and I asked Jesus to be my Savior and my Lord. And at that moment, faith came alive in me. In Ephesians 1, 15 to 16, the Apostle Paul starts out this passage by saying, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Paul talks about being thankful for the faith of those in the church in Ephesus. Why was he thankful for their faith? Why should we be thankful for the faith that God gives to us? Why should we be thankful for the, the faith of those around us? It is because when people have faith, wonderful things happens in our life. Let me just briefly talk about five benefits of having faith. The first is that faith brings salvation. I just talked about that, but it also it gives us hope and it helps us to live that better life. And it is a wonderful reason for us to be thankful that Jesus died, and through Jesus we have salvation in faith. Second, faith brings answer to prayer. Matthew 21, 22 tells us, And whatever things you ask in prayer, really believing, you will receive. Faith helps us to trust that God will provide for us as we are told in, in Matthew 6, 11, in the, in the Lord's Prayer, to pray for our daily bread, our needs that we have in our life. And God will provide those needs for us. In this time of the coronavirus, we wonder, are our needs going to be met? It can be a little scary. God will indeed, through faith, meet your needs. Third, faith brings all the benefits of salvation into our lives. This includes God being with us in our health and in our financial issues. He gives us peace and joy and pours out his love into our lives. And these are just a few of the promises that the Bible talks about, that through faith, God will answer into our lives. Fourth, faith is a spiritual force through which our ministry for Christ becomes effective. Your life will not be effective the way God created it to be until you put your faith in Jesus Christ. It enables you to receive the blessings of God and to pass on those blessings to others. And fifth, that faith is a major key for effective healing and deliverance ministry. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. As he healed in the past, he will heal in the present and into the future. And God wants us to be part of that ministry where we pray for others and we see God bring healing into their lives. But it's only through faith that we put in to God through Christ that we can see the power of God 
work in the lives of other people to bring them to salvation and to bring them to healing. And so when we have faith, we see God at work, not just in our words, but in our actions and through the power of God working in and through us concerning the kingdom of God. When we live and serve in faith, God's power will be seen. And for this, we should be thankful. When I was in high school, I remember um, I had this little Buddha statue. I don't remember why I had it or why I bought it. But I remember that even after I became a Christian, at first I did not get rid of that statue. I don't know if I felt like it would just be an added benefit of spiritual protection and spiritual guidance. But as I began to read the scriptures and, and I grew in my faith and I matured in my faith, I realized that it was important to not have any kind of idols in my life. That it was important for me not to trust in anyone or anything other than God. The Apostle Paul was constantly dealing with this situation where people would become Christians and they would bring their pagan beliefs into their Christian faith and they would try to meld them together. Ephesians 1.17, Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. God wants to have wisdom so that we can know what is true and right. Wisdom does not come from some uh, kind of enlightenment through Eastern meditation or through philosophy. Uh, wisdom doesn't come through our, our own trying harder or trying to learn more. Wisdom comes by God giving us, imparting to us His wisdom so that we can understand His truth and His ways. Jesus said in John 14, 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. It is by the Holy Spirit that we can truly understand the things of God and make sense of this life that he has given us. If you want to have a better life, let the Spirit of God give you the understanding of God's plan for your life and God's will for this world. He will give you wisdom. He will give you revelation. He will give you more understanding. And then he ends Ephesians 1.17 with these words, so that you may know him better. It's not just this verse, but the whole of Scripture that bears witness to the fact that knowing God is something that you cannot do on your own. Rather, it depends on God. You can only know God intimately when he makes himself known to you. The good news of the Bible is that God has already revealed himself to you in many ways. In creation, in history, in the scripture, in God's people, and most of all through Jesus Christ. Moreover, God has given us a spirit and placed in us, in a community of people, a spirit of love, where we can join together and we can experience God's presence all the more in our life and know God deeply and intimately. Why is this important? Because the more you come to know God, the more you will come to love God and want to live for God and want to serve God. The more you know God, the more sense your life will make. Because life doesn't make sense without knowing the one who created all things. I remember in my dating relationships, 
you, I would ask someone out, and we would go out, and, and I would enjoy spending time with her, and I enjoyed getting to know her, but, but inevitably, in every relationship, there came a time when we both realized that the relationship wasn't going to go any farther. We didn't really want to spend more time together. The love for each other wasn't growing, but it was different with Tammy. I remember that when I dated Tammy, the more time I spent with her, the more time I wanted to spend with her. And the more I started to love her, the more I kept growing in my love. Until ultimately I came to want to marry her and spend my life with her. Well, I think it's very similar with God. When we spend time with God, the more time we spend with God, and the more we get to know God, the more we come to understand who God is. And we understand how much God loves us. And our love for God grows and grows and grows. And we want to be with God, and we want to worship God, and we want to pray to God, and we want to listen to God, and we want to be guided by God, and we want to be empowered by God to do great works for his kingdom. The more we know God, the better our life will be. In this time of isolation and the coronavirus, there is a lack of hope. People are looking with sadness at the state of our world. The world is a mess. It seems like things might never get better. At least that's how it feels at times. And people wonder, how can I have hope for this world? How can I have hope in this world? This is a reasonable question. It is understandable that we are asking this question, that we are thinking about this. But the answer is that we should not put our hope in this world. The world will let us down. The world is not what's going to satisfy us or make us fulfilled. We also shouldn't put our hope in the government. I know the government sent out stimulus checks, although I've heard that many people still have not received those. But the government, government is not going to take care of all your needs and fulfill your life. We should not put our hope in the, in the government. The world is feeble and fallible. The government is fallible. The world is filled with sinners and evil, yet we are still called to live in this world. And so we shouldn't put our hope in this world, even while we're in this world. But Paul tells us in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. What does Paul want us to be enlightened to? That we should put our hope in God, in God alone. That we should see that God wants to use us to make this world a better place. That God wants to bring all people to that place where they are following him. He wants us to understand that our hope is not based on the ability to foresee the future, but rather to trust that God has a future for us. And that future rests in the foundation of Jesus Christ. It is in the resurrection of Christ and in his power that we put our hope. So then, verse 18 ends, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. What, God, what does God want us to hope for? That people will come to know him and that they are his glorious inheritance. God thinks of us as his glorious inheritance. This is astounding. It's magnificent. One thing that is easy to lose in this time of the coronavirus is that God's plan for his people, for you and me, 
is to share the gospel with those around us so that they can come to know Jesus Christ and they can be part of that glorious inheritance of God. F.F. Bruce writes in his commentary on this verse, in verse 18, that God should set such high value on a community of sinners, rescued from perdition and still bearing too many traces of their former state, might well seem incredible were it not made clear that he sees them in Christ, as from the beginning he chose them in Christ. Because you and I are in Christ, we will see the glory of God when we get to heaven. But even now, we are to be seen as his glorious inheritance. How amazing. No wonder Paul wants us to know God all the more, to come to know him better. While many have lost their jobs, maybe having difficulty in relationships, there's stress at home, there's questioning about their future, there is loss of hope. But not only should we remember that we are God's inheritance in, this, in the midst of all things, but we also need to remember that in Christ we have a future. You probably know well this well-known verse from Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. See, only as we come to know God better can we have the kind of faith that believes and trusts and hopes in this better future that God has for us. God has for us this future, but we have to trust Him for it. We have to wait on Him for it, and He will bring it to us in His time. Only then can we see that our fear will be overwhelmed by our faith and our hope. Name is by Victor Hugo is a wonderful mu musical. And it starts out with convicts doing hard labor, and then they sing a song called Look Down. And it's this anguished cry of a song. And then right after that, we're introduced to the main characters, Jean Valjean, who is a poor and struggling parolee, and Javert, who is a cold and harsh police inspector. And soon after this, we see that Valjean encounters the Bishop of Denier, whose grace shown to him transforms Valjean's life. Ephesians, at the end here, reminds me a little bit of Les Miserables. More than any other book in the Bible, Ephesians is a book about the church. The word church appears in this letter with more frequency than any other book in the Bible. It is a book about the church and how God's grace is to be demonstrated through the church. The last few words of Ephesians 1, 22-23 give us the first glimpse of the church. Apostle Paul says, And God placed all things under Christ's feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The church is identified as Christ's body, the fullness of him in everything in every way. The church is identified in this way because we are belonging to Christ as a body of Christ, as a church. As grace transformed Valjean's life, so God's grace transforms the church. And the grace that the church is to show to those outside of the church 
should transform their life as well. At the end of chapter 1, we sense that the church plays an essential plan in God's work in the cosmos, in the world. He has made Christ the head over all things for the church. The church is Christ's body, the physical representation of Christ on earth. Again, for us to demonstrate the grace of Christ to others. And the church is in some way the vehicle and the container for all that God wants to do in the world. We as God's people, the church, the body of Christ, are to demonstrate God's power through his love and the power of his resurrection working in and through our lives into the lives of others. I think more than any other time that I can remember, we have a great opportunity to share the love of Christ, to share the hope of Christ with those who are struggling in this time that they can experience the power and the presence of God all the more in this difficult time. This is the time for us to show the grace of Christ to others, that we as a church can do this. Even though we aren't gathered together, we still are a church. We still are the body of Christ. If you're watching the videos and photos from around our country, and around the globe of the, the sick and the dying, you're probably very saddened by these pictures. In fact, it, it might go even farther than that. It, it might exacerbate the fear that you feel. As Christians, we shouldn't run around ignoring the, the call to wear masks and to socially distance ourselves. But as Christians, I want to talk about two things briefly that maybe we can do instead of being fearful. The first is to connect with others. This helps to remind us that we are not alone. It helps to remind others that they are not alone. There's always strength and hope in this feeling that we are supporting one another. As Christians, we remind them of the power of God at work. And we also need to choose to rejoice. We don't rejoice in the fact that there's a virus, and we don't rejoice in the fact that we are isolated, but we rejoice in the life and the health that God has given us. We rejoice in the fact that we have a church family and we are part of a church body. We rejoice in the salvation that we have found in Christ. We rejoice in the power of God that can work in us and, and that can help us to, to do what we need to do even in this difficult time. We know that God wants us to share this truth this gospel, this hope to others. And so we rejoice because we have a message of hope to pass on to others. We rejoice in God's grace given to us and shared by us. God has created us for a purpose. Are we living into that purpose? To live with God's purpose means to live in hope for the future that he has for us. This is the better way to live. God has redeemed you and me. Are we living as God's redeemed people? Knowing that even though we fight against sin, we live faithfully to God. And we know that we are forgiven and cleansed and uplifted in Christ. In this too, we have hope. Are we sharing this hope with others? This is the better way to live. 
We have the power of Christ given to us, imparted to us because of what Christ has done and because of our faith. Are we living in this power? This power is what gives you the love you need, gives me the love I need to love others in this time. Are we living this better life of loving God as he loves us, or loving others as God loves us, and sharing this gospel message with those who are searching in this time? There is hope in our future. We need not despair. If you need another secret of how to live a better life, live with hope. God can give it to you. It will change your life now and into the future. Let us pray.